1: Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for building happier habits into daily life. This week, we'll talk about why you should ask yourself the question, what happens if I ignore this? And we'll talk to a terrific special guest, Melissa Hartwig of the super popular Whole30 program. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me in spirit, though not in body, is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft.
0: That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA. And Gretchen, today I'm going to try to be more relaxed and funnier, because I got an email (laughs) from someone who observed that I sounded more relaxed and was funnier in the live podcast. Than I usually sound, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to push it and and uh, push my relaxation level.
1: Well, I wonder if part of that is because when you do this in LA, it's seven thirty in the morning, and doing that was seven at night, and you are a night person, so you probably just were a lot more alert. <laughs> that could be some of it, yes.
0: But anyway, it was a it was a fun observation. Yes.
1: And Elizabeth, you know, it's very exciting. We are coming up on our one year anniversary of podcasting. Yes, unbelievable. So, to celebrate, we're going to do an episode where we highlight stories from listeners, from you, about changes you've made over the past year. So, is it how have you made yourself happier? How do you feel better than before? What have you used? What has worked for you? We'd love to hear your stories.
0: Yeah, and we have a lot of these stories already because our listeners send in so many great ones. But if anybody wants to be included in this episode, please send a one-minute voicemail telling us a story of change or a new habit or a new tradition or how you got to know yourself better um, through one of those segments. Uh, And if you can tie it into topics that we've talked about on the show, that's, of course, even better. Our number uh, is 77-HAPPY-336.
1: Yeah, so call in with uh, your insights your observations your experiences if there's a special segment that was particularly particularly useful to you or uh, if there was some moment that you thought was particularly funny um, let us know because we're dying to hear from you guys so listen this week our try this at home tip is ask yourself the question What happens if I ignore this?
0: Hmm, interesting notion.
1: Yes. So I got this idea. um, So in The Happiness Project, I write about how I am part of a writer's strategy group called MGM Mm -hmm. with two fantastic people, Marcy Albaher and Michael Melcher. And Michael is actually an executive coach, and um, so he oh, has a lot of that's like, useful. Yeah, I know. Like to have, I'm constantly getting free advice from him. Um, so, so we were, and we meet um, like, like every six weeks, and we just talk about sort of what's on our mind, what issues, what challenges we're facing, and uh, it's super helpful. And so Marcy was talking about a challenge that she was facing at work, uh, working with somebody else. And Michael said to her, well, what would happen if you'd, if you ignored this? Mm. And I was like, this is such an amazing question. Cause he didn't say, why don't you ignore it? And he didn't say like, you should ignore it. He was just saying, what would happen if you ignore it? And I mm-hmm. realized this is a super helpful question. Because so often we're like trying to control other people or nudge other people or we get all worked up about something that someone else is doing. And then I guess if I just said to myself, what happens if I ignore it? Nothing happens.
0: Yeah, it's like don't turn nothing into something if you don't need to, I guess.
1: Right, yeah, don't get yourself all worked up about something. I mean, like even the tiniest things, like I was thinking about, so Liza and Eleanor usually don't make their beds and I'm this like make your bed fanatic, right? right? I love having a bed be made it yes. doesn't particularly bother me when their beds aren't made i mean when i walk by their rooms i see it and it's sort of like eh, i wish their beds were made but i don't really care and yet i had this sense that they should make their beds or i should make them make their beds is it like mommy malpractice practice that i don't make them make their beds right and then i said to myself well what happens if i just ignore it nothing happens it doesn't make a difference in any way <laughs> so why do i spend one second thinking about it you know
0: Yeah, it's true. And you know, it's funny, I'm just thinking, like, in my work, a lot of times there'll be, you know, I'm always changing jobs or doing different projects. And a lot of times there'll be a project sort of out in the ether that could or could not happen. And Sarah and I might spend like hours just talking about (laughs) what if this does happen? What if it didn't happen? This would be this problem. This would be this advantage, you know, all this stuff. And I think like, well, what if I just ignored it until I actually got a call yeah, um, about it or it actually came to fruition? I can't totally ignore it just because I have to know it's out there, of course. But um, it would probably save me a ton of just spinning. You know, I just can spin about, well, I might be away from Jack or, or you know, Whatever the case, and I could just say, "Oh, I'll deal with it when it comes," as opposed to um, obsessing about it.
1: No, and it is true because in your work, like, there's always these these opportunities that are kind of thrown out there, and then and so often they just, for whatever reason, don't work out. Yeah, but they you- just
0: go away on their own, do nothing having to do with me. Just the project goes away, or you know, whatever.
1: You right. No. But you could. But you're right. It's like, oh, how am I going to handle this? How am I going to handle that? Like you, you spent all this time worrying about solving problems that then you could have just ignored the whole thing. Exactly. And I think this is again. I mean, I keep bringing up these little things because I think sometimes the little things just make you crazy. And one thing that I, I hear over and over that people have conflict about is when people leave cabinets open. You know, it's like mm, yes, and it's like, what happens if Jamie leaves a cabinet open? It's just the cabinet's open. So like. So if I want it, closed, close it. If I don't care, leave it open. Like Yeah, Adam
0: and I have the opposite. I leave cabinets open. And I know it drives him crazy, but I honestly, I don't do it to drive him crazy. I just don't notice that the cabinets open. Mm. I wish that he would... He may be in the ignoring it state now. Now that I think <laughs> about it. He hasn't mentioned it in a while. But it was uh, one time on uh, Hoda, you know, Kathy Lee and Hoda's hour on the Today Show. Hoda was saying that she, at the time, she and her boyfriend, neither of them cared about closing cabinet doors. And so they said they would have cabinet doors open for months at a time because just nobody would think of closing them.
1: And as know? a consequence, nothing happened. <laughs>
0: exactly. And they just ignore it.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, but, you know, Gretch, another issue that people face is the whole toilet seat lid up or down. And, um, you know, women are always complaining that their husbands don't put the toilet seat down. And I decided like, right when Adam and I, I don't know if we were, you know, got married that I was just never going to complain to him about him not putting the toilet seat down. I just decided like, it's a, it's just, he, he usually doesn't put it down to call him out, but it's just like, I just always put it down. Right. You know, so who cares? And it's just like if I complain about it, it just it's probably not going to change. And yet it'll be an unpleasantness between them, whereas I can just put it down and it takes less than a second. So who cares? Right.
1: Right. Right. But to your larger point, I did this with parenting. I decided Mm. that when when uh, Eliza was born, I I made this kind of mental decision uh, like the way you did that if other people were taking care of Eliza, I would allow them to do it in their own way as long as it didn't contradict my values or I didn't think it was actually dangerous, like not Mm. putting them in a car seat or something. But I don't like the clothes. I don't like the hairstyle. You know, even things like food. Like, do I think she should be eating a black and white cookie as big as her head? No, but Mm -hmm. if you're taking care of her, I'm going to let you do it your own way. Just because in the end, it really didn't matter. And and it's more important to have a feeling of love and, 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 and like avoid unnecessary conflict. Yeah. And you do, you just save yourself a lot of anguish.
0: Um, now, the one area though, where this is not true is when it comes to anything medical, as we remember from when you had your, remember when you didn't go to the doctor for something? Your, uh, your from, pink eye. Yes. <laughs> that like, was a time where you just ignored your pink eye, yeah. and that was not a good decision. Yeah. So I would say anything medical, do not
1: ignore it. You know. What happens if I ignore this? You don't really yeah. know. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. So this doesn't apply to anything medical. This is more for the nagging little yeah. things
1: in life. Yeah. The controlling, uh, can't you do things my way, the right way. Um, so let us know if you try this at home if, and if asking yourself the question, what happens if I ignore this works for you. Let us know on Twitter, Facebook, podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, you can go to the show notes and comment there and get all the links and uh, photos, etc. at happiercast.com slash 52.
0: Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We're so excited to have Melissa Hartwig of Whole30 with us today.
1: Yep, she's live in the studio in Salt Lake City. Um, Melissa is the co-creator of the Whole30 program, uh, which is sort of like this cult favorite way to kickstart more helpful eating habits. And as part of that, she's also co-author of two best-selling books, It Starts With Food and The Whole 30 Guide to Total Health and Food Freedom. And I got interested in Whole 30 because, you know, when I was studying habits to write better than before, a habit that so many people want to change is eating habits. And I kept hearing from people over and over about the success that they had had with Whole 30. Um, so, Melissa, thank you so much for being here with us today. You're calling in from Salt Lake City. We're so excited to be talking
2: to you about Whole 30. Thank you so much. I'm really thrilled to be speaking with you too. Of course, I'm a big fan and I've read all your books, especially the one on habit. So I'm really excited Uh. to talk about this with you as well.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that you're obsessed with habit because just the whole way that um, Whole30 is designed um which is kind of a boot camp approach to cha- to sort of jump starting people's eating habits um seems very designed to to have a big effect on habits
2: yeah it is it really is and there's the way i describe it is that there's a lot of habit research built right into the program rules and the framework and the support in ways that you wouldn't even notice but they're in there in a really sneaky way designed to help people succeed <laughs> Well, can you describe, Melissa, just exactly how it works for people who might not be familiar with Whole30? Sure. So you can think of the Whole30 like pushing the reset button with your health, your habits, and your relationship with food. Mm. So for 30 days, you're going to eliminate the foods that the scientific literature and our clinical experience have shown to be very commonly problematic in one of four areas. Your cravings and your emotional relationship with food. Your metabolism and your hormones your digestion and the integrity of your digestive tract, and your immune system. So you're going to pull those foods out for 30 days and pay attention to what life is like without some of these commonly problematic triggers. See how it impacts your energy, your sleep, your cravings, your mood, your digestion, your skin, your joint pain and swelling, any number of medical symptoms. See what life is like without them. At the end of the 30 days, you then reintroduce those foods very carefully and systematically <laughs> so that you can evaluate how your life is different when you add these foods back in. It's a way to kind of help identify food sensitivities, help figure out which foods make you feel out of control with your diet and help you figure out how to build the perfect diet for you, one that feels healthy and balanced, but that is ideally matched to your individual context.
0: And what are the foods that you eliminate?
2: Sure. So what you eliminate for the 30 days would be all forms of added sugar. So it's even the natural stuff, even the honey, maple syrup, even artificial sweeteners. If there's any added sugar in the product, it's out. No alcohol for 30 days. No grains. So that would be Bread, cereal, rice, things like wheat, rye, and barley, anything made from corn, oats, even quinoa, we're pulling out for the 30-day experimental portion. We're eliminating all forms of legumes, so beans, peas, lentils, soy, and peanuts, and all forms of dairy. Um, with the exception of clarified butter or ghee. So that would be no cheese, no yogurt, no ice cream, no milk for 30 days. Now,
1: this, is, this, is pretty, this is a lot of foods that are coming out. Um, why do you think it works so well for people? Why, why do you think they do respond so so like uh, effectively to something that probably a lot of them, the first time they look at it, they're like, holy cow, can I do that?
2: I think they respond effectively for a couple of reasons. One, I think it really does provide a good reboot of your system. I think pulling all of these potentially problematic foods out, you sometimes don't realize that you're not feeling awesome because this feeling just okay becomes your norm. Every single day you wake up and you've got a little bit of digestive stuff and your skin's a little bit breaking out and you're a little bit stuffy and you're a little bit lethargic come 2 p.m., but that just becomes your normal. And until you eliminate the foods that are triggering those things and have amazing energy and your skin clears up and you lose the bloat and your digestion is better, you don't realize how amazing you can feel. So I think that awareness is really powerful for people. I also think the program resonates because we're not saying don't eat these foods ever again or these foods are bad for you. What we're saying is I don't know if these foods work for you or not hold them out, reintroduce them, and figure that out for yourself. And mm. that, I think, provides people with the freedom and the um, self-direction that they're looking for in terms of creating the perfect diet for them. Well, one of the things that
1: I found when I was looking at habits is that sometimes when people have a goal, a very clear goal that they kind of cross over, so they have this feeling of a finish line, that sometimes that can actually be disruptive. And do you ever and 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 with whole 30 it's like it's sort of like this big boot camp thing and it's very clearly for 30 days. Do you ever feel like people and I know that you have a whole program for how people are supposed to reintroduce foods and how they're supposed to manage it healthfully. Do do you ever see that people just like kind of bust out at day 31 and they and they just they have trouble making that making the switch over to the post 30 day life? Yes.
2: I try to be very careful about the language that I use So, for that exact reason, because when the brain perceives that reward is on the horizon, whether it be food or a cigarette or whatever it is, the cravings become more intense. So I talk about the Whole30. It's not a start and stop. It's not a like in 30 days you're done. It's the first step towards an entirely new lifetime of healthy habits. So the Whole30 elimination is the elimination phase. And then you move into the reintroduction phase. And then you're moving into life after your Whole30. And we've got a whole lot of support and guidance for what that looks like. And then you kind of, when you find yourself off track because you've got a holiday or a stressful event in your life or a vacation, you come back to the whole whole 30 for your reset. And so it's this mm. cycle of progression rather than a start and a stop, because that stopping point, you're exactly right, is what gets people thinking, well, I'm all done. And now all of a sudden I can check that off my list and go back to doing what I was doing.
1: Right. Like I find that it's easier. It's better to talk about milestones. Like this is an exciting milestone, yeah. but a milestone you, you're, you're like you're passing milestone after milestone after milestone. Mm-hmm. It's not like a finish line. Exactly.
2: that All those fad diets have finish lines. It's seven days and you do this juice cleanse and then you're done and you can check it off your list. But people end up going through that with blinders on. They just wait for day seven when they can go back to eating what they used to eat. And maybe they're a few pounds lighter, but they're not paying attention to the process and how it makes them feel and what they're learning about themselves. And so we want the Whole30 to be the polar opposite of that experience.
0: Melissa, I am so curious when people get into the Whole30, do they have major emotional sort of breakdowns or epiphanies? Because I feel like changing what you're eating so dramatically would have a major emotional uh, impact.
2: It really, really can. I have had experiences personally on the Whole30 where in the middle of a restaurant, I've broken down in tears because I couldn't eat something because it had sugar in it. And it was... Just the frustration with the food system and myself and why is it so important that I eat this food. So I've experienced that. I had a gentleman probably about 60 years old at one of my Toronto book signings who came to the realization mid-whole 30 that he had had this knee pain he'd been suffering with since he was, you know, uh, in his mid-30s. So for 30 years or so. And he came to the realization that he comfort ate when he was in pain. And that was such a powerful association for him. And so it it was a very emotional experience and it can be very emotional, but it's also incredibly freeing because once you are aware of this connection that you have with food, that you're using it as comfort or reward or as a proxy for love or to self-soothe, then you have the power to find another routine to replace the junk food.
0: And do you yourself eat any, you know, like, do you have alcohol? Do you have chocolate? Like, what, what's your personal
2: diet-like. I do. I I practice exactly what I preach, which is (laughs) most of my meals are really Whole30-ish. Maybe there's a little added sugar in my bacon. Maybe I'm eating you know ketchup with added sugar in it or um, a little bit of, I don't know, honey in my tea. But for the most part, my meals are Whole30-ish until something so delicious or amazing or special comes across my plate Mm. that I know it's going to be worth it for me. And I know how that food's going to impact me because I've done the elimination and reintroduction. And I know how much I can get away with eating and still feel pretty good. And so I give myself permission to have like the broadest diet possible and still feel as awesome as I want to feel.
1: Now, one thing we talk about a lot, or at least I talk about a lot, and Elizabeth is forced to listen to me talk about <laughs> it, is abstainers versus moderators. That for some people, they're kind of all or nothing people. And it's easier to give up something altogether than to have a little bit. Like it's easier to have no ice cream than to have like you know, a little dish of ice cream. And then moderators get kind of panicky and rebellious when they're told they can never have something. They do better when they have like a little bit, like the one square of fine chocolate. Mm-hmm. And, and and the way this is set up, it really appeals to me as an abstainer because it's like these bright line rules where you just take it out and it's really all or nothing. And it's it's very simple. You know what, what is is included, you know what is excluded, and it might be hard to kind of put that into practice, practic- in practical terms in certain situations, but you kind of can see very clearly how it goes down. Do you find that there's some people for whom this approach just really is it, it, kind of contrary to their natural approach to food and that they really struggle with taking all this stuff out because their natural thing is to want to have a little bit of something or to feel like that's a possibility. And so they get kind of panicky or, or resistant when they're told that, OK, we're really talking about eliminating it.
2: Oh, totally. I mean, the the whole. Th- so I'm I'm an upholder. I'm an abstainer. Oh. Like that is very <laughs> much my archetype. And so it's no surprise that I wrote the whole 30 rules the way that yeah. that we wrote them. Right. It's they're very black and white. The expectations are very clear. So it the approach doesn't work for everyone. If you're a rebel, you probably don't love the idea of me telling you what to do for the next 30 days. Right. Although I have slipped some language in for the rebels to kind of lure them in a little bit. But what I do find, though, is that in general, when it comes to food, because food is so incredibly rewarding and especially the kind of foods that we have become so accustomed to eating these foods with no breaks, the stuff that doesn't have, you know, satiety signals and doesn't have like complete protein and fiber and the micronutrition that our body needs. And once we start eating, we can't stop eating it It's, in my experience, it's really hard to moderate some of this Mm -hmm. stuff. And so Mm -hmm. the rules certainly don't appeal to everyone. And the program is not right for everyone. And if you're really good at moderating, you probably maybe would think to yourself, I don't need this kind of elimination. (laughs) But what I do remind people is it's only 30 days. So pull it out, put it back in. If you want to moderate afterward, great. But at least you know the impact that this food is having on you. So that's kind of how I sell it to the moderators.
1: And, and anybody who wants to listen to more discussion of standards and moderators, we talked about that back in episode two. Um, but I think what you're pointing to, this idea of an experiment, is something that's really healthy and helpful to think about in habit formation generally. Because I feel like there's sort of this message from a lot of people, like, this is what you ought to do. You should get up first thing in the morning and go running. And it's like, if you can't do that, that's something. there's something wrong with you. Instead of having everybody say, like, some things work for some people, some things work for other people, so have a sense of possibility, like... If something sounds interesting to you, try it. I mean, and if it doesn't work for you, then you've learned something about yourself and about an approach that's not right for you. That's a little bit of information that you have that you didn't have before. And it's an almost a kind of an experimental sense of um, there's a lot of different tools and, and different tools work better and worse for different people. But the only way you find out what works
2: for you is to give it a shot. And that's such an important point. And we have such a dysfunctional relationship with food. We feel so out of control with our food choices. We feel like we've got these cravings and these habits and these patterns that are sort of ingrained and we don't even know how to begin correcting them, when you do something like the Whole30 and you get to the end and you experience what we call that food freedom, feeling in control of your food choices for the first time in maybe a really long time, that sense of self-efficacy spills over into every other area of your life. So challenging yourself with something like National Novel Writing Month or something like the Whole30, if the only thing it teaches you is that you can do hard things, that's a really (laughs) Mm -hmm. incredibly valuable lesson. Well, Melissa,
1: thank you. I feel like we could talk all day. It's so fascinating to hear about what you're doing and, and how you've thought about habits and how to help yeah. people intervene in such a, a big challenge for a lot of people. So thank you so much for, for, for coming on and, and talking to yes. us about what you're
2: doing. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed the conversation. And like I said, I'm a big fan um, of your book and even reading some of the the archetypes or what you call the four tendencies were actually quite helpful in me figuring out how I could provide additional support to the questioners, the obligers, the rebels, people who weren't like me in my community. So I appreciate the work you're doing as well. Oh, well, thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Melissa.
2: Great speaking with you both.
0: Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. Okay, Gretchen, it is time for demerits and gold stars and you are up uh, with a demerit.
1: Okay. This is a marriage demerit, a Jamie demerit. Um, yes. Related to our bed clothes. So we have a duvet, like, you know, our bedspread is, is like, I would never notice, frankly, I never notice anything. And so finally, Jamie was like, we've got to do something about our bed because like, it's like stained, like the white is like turning yellow. It looks terrible. We need to deal with it. And he said this to me at like 11 o'clock on a Saturday morning, like, let's go deal with this today. And I was just like, oh my gosh you can't possibly spring that on me at the last minute and expect me to go deal with this without like at least a week of mental preparation because that to (laughs) me is like an exhausting (laughs) yes as an underwire as a person like as somebody who notices like everything about that i need to have a lot of time to work up to it and jamie thought that was preposterous whatever so we had words about it and I said, well, you know, you think it's easy because your ideas will go to the store and you'll stand there on your phone answering your emails while I make every single decision related to it. <laughs> right? It's not that easy. And he's like, how hard can it be? I was like, okay, well, let me just, I'll tell you what you need to do in order to prepare for this. So I'm like, you need to look, how deep is our mattress? Do we have a regular mattress or an extra deep mattress? How big is our bed? How big are our pillows? If we have to get matching shams or whatever, like what size oh, of God. the bed? Look at the colors because we'll get there and I guarantee you we will have absolutely no no recollection of what the colors are in our bedroom so maybe we even want to take photographs and he's like whatever so we I managed to stall him out and yeah. <laughs> for that weekend then I went out of town then I, and this is where the demerit really comes in though it was kind of leading to a demerit so he, I walk in and there's a there's a bag from a store and he had gone out and bought the stuff uh, right I knew that's where the this okay right okay so and I pull it out and Okay, so our, our bedroom is in like sort of these pink and green, all kind of in minor colors, like soft, muted, a little bit of kind yes. of a purplish mm-hmm. red. And this was like a holly berry red design mm-hmm. on white. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, okay. so I was battling with myself, right? I was like, okay, on the one hand, should I say, this is wonderful that you tried to do this thoughtful thing by doing this errand by yourself.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Or do I say, dude, like, what are you thinking this has nothing to do? was right. our bedroom with our and this yeah. is exactly the problem that I pointed to before which is you can't just march in there and grab anything off the shelf it takes a lot of time and thought and so I just sat there silent in silence and I was just like I find th- and I said to him which was not nice I was like I find this really depressing because on the one hand it was nice of you to do it but on the other hand it's totally wrong so do you want to just accept the fact that we don't care and it's going to be wrong or do you want to go back and do it again and he's like I really truly do not care let's go back but i was just sort of like why didn't you the whole thing it was just like it was the worst parts of my nature and the worst parts of his nature engaging in- in- interacting in the most annoying erin yeah. <laughs> filled way so i was just like okay i should have just said you are 100 percent right which he is right let me put it on my own schedule power hour It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a task i don't like I'll go do it, because, and that way I'll know that it's done the way I want it to be done. It will be done according to my standards, which I think are the better standards. And you don't have to worry about it because you're not going to be helpful, and so I will just manage this on my own. That would have been the right thing to do, and it would have been the easier thing overall to do. Right, but I just I I was just like I don't feel like dealing with it. So anyway, that's well, meanwhile my-
0: I'm on the edge of my seat. Did you exchange <laughs> the duvet cover and no, get a different one?
1: No, this is like a month ago. Have we gone back there? No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you still have your old stained duvet cover, yes. and that's in the bag. Yeah. Yes, okay, yes.
1: and and then that then the other stuff is is you know, just sitting in there and I've got to do it. But then it's like, you know, we've got Eleanor's birthday party coming up and it's, yeah. <laughs> weeks are well, going to go I by. I have um,
0: a question. It seems like Eleanor or Eliza might actually love picking out a duvet cover. So maybe if you take them with you and they're, <gasps> Ooh, you know, taking that, part, it could actually be sort of fun.
1: No, and that's a great suggestion because research shows that we tend to enjoy everything more if we have company. And so it probably would be fun. Eliza's got too much homework probably to spend it spend her free time on something like that but Eleanor would go and uh, and that would make it more fun for me she loves that kind of thing that's a great suggestion I will make Eleanor go with me and then it will be like a little mommy daughter adventure okay and if
0: that fails just wait till mom comes to (laughs) town
1: okay so gold no she'll get me into a whole new zone of of yeah. Possibility, so my yeah. head will explode. <laughs> okay, okay, you gold star, gold star. Take us. You get a gold star already, but uh, you have a gold star to give yourself. All
0: right, Gretchen. This week, my gold star has to do with reality TV, but actually, it's for some podcasts. So Ooh. let me explain. You know, I love reality TV. Uh, yeah, and I've almost. Stopped apologizing for it because I've decided the way some men like watch sports for hours and hours and like listen to sports talk radio that's reality TV is my sports, like that's just what I enjoy. Absolutely, so, head I'm held high. Not, yes, I'm not apologizing. No, 100%. It. Be
1: Elizabeth. Um,
0: and in the wonderful world of podcasts, <laughs> now there are podcasts about reality TV. Um, and so I want to, I gave a gold star to the podcast another round a few weeks ago and people really seem to like getting, you know, hearing gold stars to other podcasts. So I thought I would give a few gold stars. Now, the thing I have to preface with this with is like, for most people, if you don't like reality TV, you don't just skip this because you're not going (laughs) to be interested. But for those of you who do like it, The first one is for a podcast called here to make friends, a bachelor recap show. And it's hosted by Emma Gray and Claire Fallon. And it just, it's, you know, you can guess what it is. It's a show that spends an hour just dissecting what happened this week on The Bachelor. And they had on like a former Bachelor contestant. They um, interviewed somebody who like met The Bachelor at a bar <laughs> five years ago I mean, it's just, it's just funny and fun. And like, I love hearing about The Bachelor because I'm having all these thoughts and they, (laughs) you know, they sort of put voice to my thoughts Yeah, and um, it's fantastic. The next one is called Bitch Sesh, A Real Housewives Breakdown. And this is hosted by Casey Wilson and Danielle Schneider. And fun fact, Gretch. Casey Wilson' um, dad is actually friends with her father, which is nothing to do with why I listen to this podcast, but does make me have extra affection for uh, her. Oh,
1: she was the, the one, one of the cast of Happy Endings. Yes.
0: Oh, exactly. yeah. She's great. She's yeah, hilarious. she's great. And. Yeah. Um, and she and this woman, Danielle, are so funny when they talk about the Housewives. <laughs> right now, they're focused on Housewives of Beverly Hills. Ah. And it's one thing I just realized, like, first, I just love hearing more about the Housewives. But secondly, I just love hearing funny women talking to each other. Yeah. Um, I, You know, like, I'm always trying to get Sarah to listen to this and tell me, like, is this f- interesting if you don't like the Housewives? You know, because she doesn't watch them. Um, Just because I just think they're so funny. Oh, I'm going to try
1: it. I'm going to try it. I love that. Oh,
0: I'm very interested to hear what you say. Um, And then my third is a podcast that's actually from a Real Housewife. Heather Dubrow from Real Housewives of Orange County has a new podcast called Heather Dubrow's World which is a uh, lifestyle um, podcast, and she talks about beauty tips and what's hot, and she interviews people, often housewives, which I love, <laughs> um, and takes listener questions. And she was an actress. She's, you know, she's like a professional performer. So it's actually a, it's a great, she's really a fantastic podcast host. Um, so anyway, those are my recommendations. <laughs> Sorry for all of you out there who aren't interested at all. Um, but um, those are um, making my commute very enjoyable.
1: It's one of those things where they're like, if it's the kind of thing you like, this is the kind of thing you like.
0: Exactly. Of course, now I'm like, okay, I'm not just spending three hours a week on The (laughs) Bachelor. I'm spending now four hours a week. It's out of control, but I love it. Be Elizabeth. Hey, Elizabeth, want to hear something cool? Yeah. (laughs) Um, I was at dinner last night on the Upper West Side with... uh, a friend of my dad's from college and a bunch of women their age and in walks all of Real Housewives of New York <gasps> and their TV crew and they were filming. Wow. <laughs> so like me and like oh. four like 65 year old women and my girlfriend <laughs> are all just like in the background waving to, to the Real Housewives. Oh, so Do you think we'll we see you?
1: That would be so amazing if we could
2: see you. I have no you. idea. I don't know what
0: their production schedule is or like what season <laughs> it's for, but I mean, they all oh. looked really glamorous and were friendly. You know, they were like, we were like yelling at them, like "Hi, hello!" <laughs> oh my god, I'm. S- that's my dream, Henry. I'm so jealous. I d- I have seen a lot of the Beverly Hills wives out and about in
1: L.A. But have you seen them being filmed or have you just seen them like on on the street? No, I've just
0: seen them like in their lives. Um, But I Uh would love
1: to see all of them together. I'm always on
0: the lookout. Believe me.
2: Well, well, Elizabeth, (laughs) when you come
0: here, well, the three of us will go to this restaurant
1: and like stalk them. Hopefully they'll come back. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home ask yourself if there's something that you're facing that's bugging you. What would happen if I ignored this? Let us know how it worked out.
0: Thanks to our producer Henry Malofsky, the Real Housewives spotter. <laughs> uh, and also thanks to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin and I'm at Elizabeth Kraft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com.
1: And we want to give a special thanks to our terrific guest, Melissa Hartwig. It was so fascinating to get the chance to talk to her um, and hear what's going on. If you like this show, please be sure to tell a friend. Um, Subscribe to us on iTunes. And here's the thing. A lot of people are kind of intrigued with podcasts, but they don't know how to subscribe. Just show them how to subscribe. Because um, a lot of times, once they get over that hurdle, then they find that there's this whole new world of all kinds of podcasts reality TV podcasts, and many other kinds of podcasts that they would enjoy. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us Onward and Upward.
0: If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know.